Nicholas. Nicholas. Calling Nicholas. <laughs> Hi, son. That's from uh, uh, when I was a kid, I saw a movie and I can't remember if it was a Vincent Price movie, horror movie, and I don't know if it was The Pit and the Pendulum or House of Usher or Fall of the House of Usher. It was one of those ones. And it's like, it's the one where he buried his wife in the wall alive kind of thing. Anyway, she goes, she comes back and, and he's like walking along with his candle and he's shaking, he's dropping the candle and, and her voice is like the ghost going, Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas scared the shit out of me. Well, here I am. I still wake up nightmares from that. I can't believe the things they let us watch when we were kids in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was Daytime TV. It's just like, oh, you want some sexual violence after play school? Let's let's go. Bring it on. It's just horrors. I was terrified. I was terrified of the Wicked Witch of the West who, who, because there were shoes (laughs) at the bottom of my wardrobe and... um, they and there was this picture of the wicked wish to the west with these two shoes poking out of the wardrobe or, <laughs> or, or the house, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought, fuck, I think that she might be right under there. That was, a, that was a scary, but I wasn't scared of her as a character. But it's like I was scared of. Okay, they just killed that woman. Yeah, <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> all yeah. the other kids were scared of the flying monkeys. Yeah, Man, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, that oh, was very scary. Harpy. I want to get one of them monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this just, I guess, fear is, is running rampant in the world. It's probably motivating just the most horrendous things right now. I think it's probably the underlying, um, you know, uh, cause of, of pretty much any problem that we're going to discuss today. It's probably grounded in fear at some stage. Um, like everybody's terrified. Behaving in some very weird ways, Nicholas. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know whether they're terrified because you need some imagination to be scared of things. Like I should be scared. Well, I should be scared of the war in Ukraine that's cr- cranking up or not cranking up. I should so be they're, scared. They're too stupid I should to be, be scared. scared. Mm. Well, I'm too stupid to be scared too because I should be scared that it could turn nuclear, but I just can't imagine. You know, I look out there, can't see a nuclear war. Should be okay. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, it's different. It's I like um, I can't have an opinion on it because I my, my brain was ruined from like I, I thought because I was, there was so much propaganda mm. on like one side like years ago, and yeah, and so I I experimented with Russian propaganda. Yeah, and unfortunately, I inha- I did inhale. Oh and, well, anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. fine. That's so, fine. Like, that's it. You're I, in a. I, I got myself you're in an equilibrium of propaganda. It's like yeah. Ukraine is. Uh, it means the name of Ukraine means Russian border. That's what it means, you know. And I'm like, well, yeah, fair enough. And and I kind of like, uh, I yeah. I find myself because like bad propaganda and bad faith stuff on the other side doesn't balance out bad faith stuff on this side. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I do. I know exactly two what wrongs you mean. don't make a right. I exactly, it just makes I, a big freaking mess in your head. Yeah, and now I don't know what yeah. to think. No, no, that's exactly my position. Uh, I remember when this Ukraine stuff was cranked up. In fact, I, having done some reading about it, um, it was cranked up in 2014 as mm. a big thing. And I remember sort of all of the press were full of this stuff about Russia's aggression, yeah. Putin's corruption, and so on. 
And I sort of took it all in and I wasn't reading about it at the time. I thought, fair enough. And then, um, you know, fair enough as in, well, maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it didn't really strike me. And then, I don't know, a year or so later, I read this thing saying, well, you know, the Russians are very concerned about having some neutral space between them and a buffer zone between them and their traditional enemies in NATO. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, well, why didn't I hear that from yeah. the press when they were just writing up these stories? Well, maybe um, if Gorbachev wasn't spending so much time just like getting drunk off his nana and dancing, nearly falling off the stage, maybe he would have gotten to write something down instead of doing a freaking handshake deal. Oh, yes, NATO won't move. Not one inch. We'll bring mm. this wall down. Not one inch will we move. So that sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah. Uh, shake hands, finish. Like, you know, get something in writing. Yeah, well, and and then yeah, well, they got they got uh, they get got Czechoslovakia in writing in 1938 at Munich. That didn't do a lot of good. So it's yeah. a tough old world. Well, and you know, I, I I try to like find oh, so poor old Ukrainians, and so I'm looking at them. It looks like they were basically born out of fascism anyway, and and they they, they got a lot of troubles with the fascist stuff. But it's hard to know what's interference, what's like. You know, uh, what's just a psyop and what's not? It's just, um, yep, I don't, know. It, don't sounds, know. it sounds like just, uh, I can't get any good information on that. I shall have to try and Nothing interest you. Trust. I'll have to try and interest you in a guy I've been reading quite a lot of, a guy called James Burnham, who was mm. uh, quite a right wing conservative and a very interesting guy. And just because you don't uh, end up with his conclusions doesn't mean that you won't find his reasoning very very powerful mm -hmm. um so anyway i'll park that for another occasion yeah yeah well and i'll park my 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 complaint that you that right-wing conservative is a tautology ah well conservative that. is a terrible <laughs> word because it means so many different things i mean no, it, it really does i yeah. mean yeah, it once meant that you know you don't want to just throw every tradition out yeah. out the window, exactly. and you'd like change to be slow and considered. Yeah, which sounds awesome to me. Yeah, but uh, that's not what it means anymore. It's absolute, just radical insanity. Hmm. Um, yeah. Ah, oh, God, I, uh, this I've, I've just got junk in my head. I've got junk in my head. So I've got Joe Biden, bloody Joe Biden. Joe Biden is paying black people to smoke crack kind of thing. And it's like, well, uh, okay. Part of something that went through is that, you know, addicts would get, well, black addicts, just addicts would get sterilization kits, which they said, no, 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 don't, don't put, don't provide them with crack pipes. And then it's like, uh, well, that means, oh, he's paying black people to smoke. What the hell, man? It's, they just jump on anything. Yeah. And it's just, uh, there, there, there are no, there are no facts. There's like this quantum soup of data, um, with no narrative through line that makes any well, sense. Well, yeah, there's no facts, but there's also no word now in politics, no descriptive word in politics. That's very descriptive of anything in particular. Mm. Um, you know, left, right, conservative, liberal they just mean all kinds of different things and mm. basically in fact a nice uh, a nice uh, turn of phrase from um 
a guy called Freddie DeBoer, who I follow on Substack. Um, I'll read you the thing. Children in black hoodies who wave the anarchist flag fight for the government and its right to override individual choice. They don't do so because of how they have passed Bakunin or Kropotkin. They never bothered to know what anarchism is or means in the first place. Why would they? Um, uh, the uh, uh, politics is only who you sneer at and who sneers at you. Too right. Jesus. They don't make anarchists like they used to. No, they, they don't make militias either. Like, you know. <laughs> no, well. How well, useless are all these militias in the States? I'm not I mean, just, so sure they don't. Really, we'll see. Really we'll got see. no discipline at all. I think they probably can. We will see. We will see what. Um, pounds. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, but uh, so maybe, you know, maybe this, uh, maybe the Ukraine thing's going to get it done. It's, it's, I don't know. When was the last time you saw a brinkmanship like that? Ah, uh, well, I don't know how much brinkmanship is going on. My, my, my guess, based on the small amount of reading, I know one should take what I'm saying very seriously, but my guess is that it'll be a, it will be, it's a bit of a, a bit of a stunt and there'll be some maybe there can be some skirmishing and some fighting but that putin is smart enough to know that if he invades ukraine it's like invading afghanistan it's not mm. really it's not ultimately in his interests um but uh who knows but my my i'm not i don't have a very sunny disposition about where the world's going but on that particular thing i mm. you know that that can easily be much more of a stunt than um or not a stunt, that's the wrong word, but a piece of grand brink, brinkmanship ultimately compared mm. with a major invasion. Well, usually when but you see, see theatre like that, there's some other stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, well, that's um, true too. That, that, that's we're, true too. that we're missing. Yeah. Yeah, so what are we missing? You, like, oh, you just sent me this smorgasbord of stuff. That's my weekly newsletter. If, uh, so hang on, is that, is, that, yeah, is, that a, is that a substack? Yeah. You're doing that Substack. Well, so here, here I was saying to you, oh, Nicholas, you should get on that Substack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's really, I and went to Substack. I only went to Substack because MailChimp wanted to start charging me because I had more than a thousand subscribers. And I thought, well, I'm just, you know, this is just automating a, an email. So anyway, what I did is I've just started a Substack, which is just a weekly email of stuff I've read and some com often bit of brief commentary on it and mm. um i'm kind of enjoying doing it and then i will when i've got stuff to write i'll why wouldn't i send that out i will say blog at uh, club tropo and i'll keep doing that so mm -hmm. that's my current that's my current um one of, you know those are two of my current channels there's a few others well i mean do you feel like that's um <sighs> do you feel like it's a good turn for the media ecosystem you know, particularly in terms of Substack. Know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Journalism, like it's good for the journalists who are of quality and have a following. Um, yep. You know, cuts out the middleman, all the rest. Yep. Um, you know, and it's potentially very democratic. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, I don't know to paraphrase you from early people already. It's so, I mean, 
<laughs> not me. That just, I'm not saying that. Does that I mean, more, does that, I mean, you know, well some, well, some people are like, you know, too too stupid to be afraid kind of thing, I think. Was oh, the, I see. Was the, yeah, yeah. well, I included myself in I that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are too stupid to be afraid. Yeah, whenever I, you'll find when I talk about people being stupid, I'm usually uh, including myself among <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so is this more just directly getting people... Uh, you know, um, well, it's like arranging arranging their own information. Like, um, well, you know, no, it's ultimately diet of sense making and going. Yep, well, that's these are the people I'm following, and um, is is that does that reinforce and entrench further division and uh, and stupid debate? Well, you're theatrics. you're being you're being impatient to get to the conclusion. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll only take it so far, which is to say, Substack is capitalist media. I don't say that as a swear word or anything like that. It is a group of people who are making a return on capital by presenting a particular way to interact with the internet. And I think it's a kind of a terrific thing in a bunch of ways. And it will mm. have, it's got some nasty characteristics. And the one that is most disturbing, and, and it's actually, yeah, I mean, the thing that's most disturbing is the winner-take-all story. And it's not winner take all but it's winner take a great deal which is mm. that you get out there and you get after ratings and you get after sales and ultimately that breaks the if you ask yourself um what should be the relationship between a person claiming to have thought about something and the people they want to tell tell them about uh, their audience, the people mm. that they're telling, should this be one, the same kind of relation as somebody trying to sell as many rolls of bread as they can, as many cars as they can? Um, and I think the answer is no, there's more to it than that. But mm. we don't have, uh, I, I, and cultures have developed relationships between writers and readers that are quite fairly different to that um but then none of uh, but they were all highly elitist mm. uh and democracy and capitalism are not elitist that's a strength it's also uh you know we're, we're also seeing some of the downsides of it so yeah so capital, so Substack partakes of that that vice. There's no doubt about that. All right, so it's a hell of an entrepreneurial coup. Yeah, I think to, so. They don't have to invest anything in like uh, innovating any new tech. They just repurpose some old tech. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, most tech, most money is made. You know, I mean, look at Bill Gates and lots of these uh, lots of these people. They don't start out with incredible new tech. They start with oldish tech, and then they come up with a particularly clever way to to um exploit it but also to generate value for people otherwise oh. they're not going to come around too deadly now i get to be sleepless in seattle with nicholas on substack well we are doing it ourselves we are taking advantage of one of these technologies um tyson which is copying skype which was you know some uh, which wasn't all that innovative, but it was clever at the time and it was way ahead of its time and it didn't work for a long time because we didn't have broadband. Let's Here do a startup. Are. Let's do a startup where we just fax like pamphlets to people. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I think people would be into that. I remember at the very beginning of faxes, 
being working in as a staffer for a parliamentarian. And um, well, in fact, I think I was just volunteering because it was because Gough Whitlam was still around. Mm-hmm. And spe- uh, there was, I don't think I saw this particular thing, but we there was this amazing new technology and it was called faxing. And you produce typed something out because um, there weren't word, word processes either. So usually the secretary typed something out in orator typeface and then she, because it was going to be a she, put it on the fax. And the fax was a round thing that started spinning the page and then ran a reader uh, up the page and then s- sent this signal over the over the phone phone lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the seventies. Um, so that was that was how it was done then. The another mm-hmm. little fun fact for you: guess which which was invented first, the phone or the fax? Well, because it's a fun fact, you'll be able to guess that it ah. was the fax. Ah. The fax was invented in the. I don't know, not that long after the telegraph. Um, and it was an easier problem to solve than the telephone, which involved taking a voice and turning it into a signal and then converting it back uh, and then converting it back into a voice. That's mad. All right. So, so I've, I've got heaps of ideas now. Mm. I've got heaps of ideas for us. For heaps of entrepreneurial ideas. We can have a startup, Nicholas. All right. <laughs> so we're going to do a um, augmented reality yeah. game, but you do it with pages. Like, you know, pages, pagers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. let's uh, get a bunch of old pages and and sort of repurpose them and people can get sent messages and say, go to this place now. Sounds there's good. A, there's a freaking Pokemon there. Sounds you can good. Just imagine shooting it or something. Um, yeah, so we're going to do that. Maybe we do something with um, wax wax cylinders. Spat- Spotify, but with wax cylinders for recordings. Well, you'll have to contact. Done. You'll have to contact Joe Rogan. Oh, God, <laughs> he'll Every, sell them. For everybody you. has to talk about Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm happy. Not, I'm happy <laughs> not to. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If if we end up talking about like game and apologies or something, then um, you know, we might might be able to use that as an example or something. But yeah, <laughs> I I think um, that might be one of those bits of theatre right now. Mm, we don't want yeah. the theatre. Yeah. We don't want the theatre, Nicholas. We want our augmented reality with pages. So, um, man, I, I loved your bit on um, Mel Meninga. Yep. You know, I never, I did, I never, I never knew about that. You didn't know that story. So yeah, Mel Meninga. Uh, why don't I? footballing legend. I didn't even know about his thirty-second. His thirty-second political career. But I tell you, yeah, I just. Um, I just have a, like a new respect for him. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, what, That's what, right. And how much I, integrity is that? You're 30 seconds in your first radio interview and it's just like, nah, I'm bugging. This, this is <laughs> Walks out. This is stupid. <laughs> so I, I'll play it. I'll, I'll share my screen with you and I'll play it for people if you, if right. you want to do that. Uh, yeah. Actually, just I hang on. I got to be uh, too. What's that? Oh well, do you want to admit? Can, it, it, I don't know. I don't know if it comes across, but let's just talk over it so it doesn't. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I'm trying to share my screen. Are you are you good with that? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'll play it from the relevant point. Korea. It was his first radio interview as a politician. Seemed to be going okay, and then something happened. Why are you standing? 
A number of reasons. Um, I guess throughout my sporting career, I've had the the urge to do community work, and I think I've you know I've really worked hard on that aspect. Uh, my 16 years in Canberra, and tick tick tick. I guess a <laughs> figure, and I was put on it as a as on the podium where I was just a person out there, but making sure that I was um, <laughs> I'm, I'm bugged. So Marilyn is leaving the studio. <laughs> Says that he can't that's do the it. best. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Isn't it just? I mean, <laughs> he's just like, all right, yeah. So I got to do yeah, this political yeah. career now. If I had a tenth of his money, like I, I would, I would do exactly the same thing right now. I'd say, Nicholas, I'm buggered. Yeah, see you I'd later. Just, and I just go. Well, the You'd never see me again. What watching that reminds me of another thing that I sometimes refer to because it was a Monty Python sketch in which the two characters in the sketch they look at each other and they say, this sketch has got too silly. And then the other one says, well, why don't we end it then? And the other one says, yes, and then the screen goes black. That's it. And there are so many, like, ethics committee, okay? That's what should happen in every ethics committee I've ever heard of. People (laughs) should just say, sorry, this is obvious. Like, I'm not quite sure why, but right now this whole exercise is so farcical. We really, if we have any integrity at all, we have to stop and think about what the hell it is we're doing and try and do something a little more useful to someone than that. Mm. Um, so uh, the world is full of these moments, I think. Mm. Well, you know, maybe we need a virtues committee or something. <laughs> a virtues committee. It doesn't <laughs> sound promising, does it? <laughs> uh, uh. So tell me, uh, let me tell you what why that came to my mind because... Um, anyone who's seen me talk on your uh, your uh, on these um, sessions before will know that I'm a big fan of the idea of citizen juries of this other way to represent the people, which is not elections. It's not competitive. It's neither elections nor appointments, but just as we do it in a jury, we just get a sample of people from the community and say, "You help us decide this thing." And I was contacted by a guy, his name's Lucas, uh, from Ohio, and he contacted me over, uh, over, over Twitter because I've, you know, made a big song and dance about this stuff on Twitter. And he said, I'm trying to um, promote this idea in Ohio. Um, and so we got to talking pretty quickly. I had a long chat with him, and he told me that he had previously thought of running for the state legislature and sitting at his table, at his kitchen table with his wife, they went into precisely the sort of thing we just saw Mal Meninga do, why I'm so great, why you should vote for me and everybody else is full of shit. And well, then his, I think his wife said to him, look, you're, you're full of shit. <laughs> uh, and he felt, oh, this is, I just, this is not me. This is not what I, the, the, you know, like I, there are a whole bunch of things I want to do that I want to get into the political system because I'm unhappy with the way things are, but this way I've got to get into it is just false and horrible. And then I, so I, then I suddenly realised this video that, uh, that this event uh, that happened in 2001, uh, just after September 11, actually, about 20 days after September 11, um this event is just emblematic of what's so terrible about our democracy, which is we say it's a democracy. And by the way, 
if you're somebody like Mal Meninga, half caste, as they used to be called, uh, Pacific Islander father, um, white Australian mother, out in the sticks, not a great education, um, and a person with shame, a person with a kind of community sense that you don't big note yourself, that you don't uh, say you're better than other people. That's a judgment for other people to make, not for you to just big mouth yourself. Um, well, we've got a big gate on our democracy saying, if you can't stomach that, you're not welcome in our democratic system. You can vote, but you're not welcome as a politician, as a political operative, because everything the political system does is directed as single-mindedly as KFC is direct behavior is directed to getting you to go into their stores and buy their chicken. Um, it's single-mindedly directed to that, mm. and that's poison. That's uh, and we can see we can see that that now, uh, and we've got to do something about it. Mm. Man. I used to see him back in the day. I went like uh, for for a little while, like uh, when I was like 17, 18, you know, late teens. I, I was in Brisbane um, uh, for undergrad. I, I didn't spend much time there because I just used to write the essays and then take off. And when I was there, like I didn't know where I was going to be staying and uh, was kind of homeless and sleeping in the park at new farm <laughs> quite a bit um, nice play if you have to sleep yeah. in the park it's not a bit that, that, where, that, that, where, that all, where, where all the black fellows were staying at the time and it was just before fortitude valley got gentrified so it was like right. you know that was just like the um the hostel you know that's, so that's where yeah. you go yeah. and um you know good time there too um until the police got real nasty when uh, they were gentrifying the valley and they'd, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd, they'd like That's pick right. you up and handcuff you and then they'd drop you out of bow desert and you'd have to walk back. It was poxy. Um, I did do that a few times. I, I thought, oh, I, I better get a job. Also, I got sick of writing my essays under street lights for, <laughs> for uni. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was there and I, and I got a job picking up uh, glasses in a nightclub and it was in Paddington. So it was near where that state of origin would happen near Lang Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so all that after their games, um, all that mob used to come, come through in there and, you know, do the things that they, those kind of people do in places like that in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. 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 And I don't know. So I never had that much of a good impression about them. No, well, as follows, but well, um, well you know, did, look, uh, they're they're um, well, I, I nearly, I nearly got in a fight with Peter Jackson one night. It was probably good that you didn't. It was it was very close. He probably would have beaten the crap out of me. Yeah, exactly. I reckon I I reckon I'd have surprised him. I reckon I'd have surprised him. He like tried to tackle me it. or something. I'd drop him, but um, yeah, and all the bouncers like these are the people I work with. They grabbed me and threw me out. It's like oh come on, anyway. So anyway, I just, I just always had a bad feeling about those poles. Like, ah, they're terrible people or whatever. Anyway, you just show uh, you sent me that clip and yeah. I saw Melman Inger and I was just like, that fella, he's got he's got some integrity. <laughs> absolutely, you. absolutely. <laughs> and people do, and people can be, um, yeah, you can be a, you know, you can want to fight people and still 
um, have a lot of, you know, just have some, you don't have to even like anything about them, but mm. you, but then you reminded they're just a person like you are and uh, they're full of shit. And uh, I won't say like you are Tyson, but like I am. And, um, and no, they're just got, making their a, way. They're just got, making got their way. They're, just, in there. they're no, doing Russian, their best. Russian disinformation and, you know, um, <laughs> Gaddafi nostalgia, it's, it's all there. Gaddafi nostalgia, yeah. But these are ideological <laughs> crimes, Tyson. They're not the worst. They're only ideological crimes are really only a big deal if you've got a lot of power. Otherwise, they're just a bit of frou-frou, just they, a bit of window. They are fruit. a big deal if you know better, Nicholas, and then you still persist. Ah, oh, that, well, that's, if, that's, yeah. that's the thing with like half of the discourse you see, like you, you look at the people and you know they know better, and they're just uh they're just lying. And doing all this theater. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I've I've got this. You could say it's a Pollyanna streak. I don't think it is, but I I just think that almost everyone sort of a lot of it is self deception. I certainly don't want to deny that, and I spend a lot of my time trying to anatomize that. But most mm. people uh, do what they do, believing that they, they've got a little voice often in their ear that that was the one that Mal Meninga actually responded to. They've got that voice. I'm not suggesting mm. that. But they've also got things telling them that what they're doing is pretty reasonable or mm. or that if they're being a bit unreasonable, this bastard has just done that to them and that's a terrible thing to do and so yeah. on it goes and so on it goes. So it's sort of important. Um, it's sort of important, yeah, to just sort of... Um, and I'm much better at giving this as a lecture than living by it often, especially in the heat of the moment. But basically, most people are pretty much doing their best. And mm. sort of like psychotherapy, I think of this, uh, you know, often people are just very, you know, like how hard it is to speak to people um, about something you think, you know, something you when you're getting close to this line, you know, well, this is what you always do, or you would mm. say that, wouldn't you? Mm. And often um, it's, you know, once you got to that stage, um, you there's a good sign you won't get anywhere because you've run into resistance. But if you are going to get further, it's probably not by giving some person a lecture that makes you feel self-righteous. It's probably mm. by some gesture of, generosity um and again as i, I keep uh, i genuinely mean this um uh, i'm good at this at the theoretical level i'm as bad as anyone at actually being generous at that time and that's for mm. quite complicated reasons mm. so we should be very sympathetic to each other i think yeah that's true look that that's that's my default position but then you know also at the same time you know if if, if you um I don't know. Step back. Just, just bloody step back a bit. I, I don't know. If you, if you know you're stupid and you're doing the wrong thing in a situation, and I, I do this all the time. Like I'm not going to keep asserting it just, just for the principle of, of winning and having my voice up front. It's like no, I'll shut up and step back. I actually am not the most best informed person in this situation. I'm going to step back and ask someone else. Um, but, but just take the fact. Uh, so let me make two assertions to you. Mm. I think Donald Trump is a gangster-style, bad-as-they-come guy. Mm. I've, uh, I mean, he's. You, you can also tell stories like his, like his um, 
daughter is it his daughter mary trump no not his daughter it's a cousin of his sister mary mary yeah. so so she can see donald as a little boy who always had to please his father so she can have some sympathy for him but that's really not the point with him he's a gangster style guy that guy is super bad news and the entire everything about reality is rearranged to satisfy his ego needs so so you couldn't do worse than that and that's fact one that well it's not fact it's an assertion of mine mm-hmm. an opinion mm-hmm. of mine fact two is that 45% of the voting American public think this guy's pretty good. Now, I have to accept that, and I have to think my way through that, and I have to engage with those people, but I don't have any trouble thinking that they're pretty decent people. I think that they're, A, making a grave mistake, and B, committing all sort of sins, if you like. They're, They're doing the wrong thing, but in quite a subtle way. Um... But so what? I'm not going to get self-righteous about them because I, they're good people. They're people, they're the same kind of people that built one of the greatest countries the world has ever seen. And it's sick. It's a sick place. This is sick if 45% of people uh, are rusted on to a crook like that, a, 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 a terrible person like that. Um, uh, and it's there are lots of valuable things we can take from that we can we can say how could it have come to this what has got what's wrong with the structures that we have in our in the way we build politics to get there um i wrote a blog post about how slavery in the united states seems to have sent the the southern states into a kind of a state of psychosis that they've never got over. Mm. It's slavery, that slavery is defended even before the Civil War with terrorism. So Jesse James gets his, starts out life um, out there in the, uh, out there um, actually assassinating people who are, um, and now we have to, pussyfoot around with our words according to the ideological structures of our time and they are the n-word lovers okay um that's that was the south that was the psychosis that was really kind of running hot and strong in the south um you know until maybe the civil rights movement there's still plenty of it there um so you can tell lots of interesting stories about how we ended up that way Mm. but um anyway the rest of the world is showing some alarming signs that this isn't irrelevant these issues are not irrelevant for them Mm. so um there we are well that that um i mean the the whole division there politically north and south east coast west coast all that kind of thing but as much about geography as anything else you know because it's too freaking cold and the soil was no good in the north (laughs) <laughs> to do all the primary production so that happened in the south and um you know and then i guess the north was just involved with value adding and you know the professions so yeah you can end up with some class resentments and stuff building there and so well there's a fascinating there's a fascinating book and it's called and it was by an economist written in 1860 just before the american civil war by an Irish economist called J.E. Cairns, and it's a fascinating book because 
it's not really about economics. He looks at the economy of the South and he show, and he can see that what's happening is that you have oligarchic money, which is basically in a competition to uh, uh, capture slaves. And by capture, I don't mean go and catch them physically, but to generate the surpluses to employ more slaves mm. uh, and the white working class the, he so he writes this book called the slave Power, think- and you uh, and the um and the uh, and what he shows or what he argues is that with this source of super cheap labor that the unskilled white workers are going to basically end up sitting on their porch, cleaning their guns, becoming more and more resentful. Uh, And that's really pretty much the, that's the, that was the political economy of the South. Oligarchy, Mm. the the rich uh, controlling everything. And then this very ignorant, poor, white, white working class. I always thought the term um, poor white trash was a, an expression from the 1950s. It predates it, it predates the Civil War. Mm. That was the that was the problem. Uh, so you have a kind of bre- this is the same structure as the Roman Republic in its later days, where you mm. have a wealth, a small, extremely wealthy class and a desperate proletarian class. Mm. Well, with the with, feder- with federation, like one, one of the biggest domestic threats that was seen was the the yeoman farmer. You know, you couldn't have these yeoman farmers there being like uh, self-sufficient, you know, out in the landscape, dotted all over the shop. Uh, you needed to have, have everyone dependent on the system. So it was really important to um, shut down all that sovereignty and uh, and grab those lands. And you ended up with entire regions that became, you know, country cousins, on flyover states and all that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, we don't know about America. Like, let's leave that to them. Uh, although you know i i don't know this this i think they're a good case study and and i think they're a good cautionary tale particularly you know i was looking at um i mean especially i I was looking at this work by um i was looking at these 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 ladies melanie moses and and kathy powers um and that they were doing uh some complex modeling work um with covid COVID stuff and one of the things they were talking about one of the papers uh, they did last year was they were trying to figure out why the modeling wasn't working for the spread the pandemic spread that every time you know the the predictions the predictive modeling wasn't working and it was like well here we've got all these we've got everything mapped out in this system we've got every person represented you know in here as as a node and you know and people move in these ways and they do all these things and so and we've got all the averages sorted out all the values are there how come this isn't accurately able to predict you know the spread how it's going um and and these ladies looked at it and said well you haven't um you haven't factored racism into your algorithm there (laughs) you know there's structural racism here there are zoning restrictions there's policing that inhibits and facilitates different kinds of movement with in different neighborhoods uh you've also got a lot of informal segregation and all kinds of stuff going on so you you know people aren't interacting in these ways you've got very dense areas of interaction where people can't move out of that area and then you've got you know it's not just everybody moving around 
equally you're modeling it on these you know these white neighborhoods um and you, you're assuming everyone's living like that and so they factored in racism into the algorithm and she worked like a tree <laughs> oh, well, there you go. suddenly they were, they were able to predict it and you know i don't know that, that just made me laugh because I, I sort of imagined it saying to somebody some sort of spitting red face bigot like you know I just love to turn that one line back on them that um you know the facts don't care about your feelings Mm. The data doesn't, <laughs> you know, they're always like the facts don't care about your feelings. Well, uh, Paul they're Kruger. cherry picking some, somebody's yeah. stat that sort of goes, see, they're less intelligent or whatever. It's like, oh my God. Anyway, but see, that would just be engaging in all the, uh, the, the same thing. And I, I do try and avoid that. Like, even if I think of something really clever, I try not to deploy it, Nicholas. Yeah, well, I'm just... I'm just quiet here. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, yeah. So, I mean, where to go? It's next. It's such a. I, I think we'll just. I don't know. I want to. Maybe, maybe we'll finish up the disinformation piece, and maybe it'll sort of. Maybe that'll lead into a bit of. Um, I, I wouldn't mind having a look at your thermonuclear um, uh, part. Which is not actually actually about um, nuclear double WMDs. That's a metaphor. It is a metaphor. Have a, and anyway, we'll, we'll we'll segue into that if you like. Yeah, I, I just think I, that there's this little bit. You want to you over. You want to live dangerously. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's just allow. <laughs> well, maybe you're maybe the one. Not. You're the one who to, who's told me, Tyson, that you this is living dangerously for you. Uh, maybe I'll discover it's living dangerously for me, but uh, well, you, so far, so, so far the mob like have make a really me. terrible mistake and you yeah, say something awful. Yeah, yeah. The well, worst thing that's going to happen to you is that your substack will uh, increase by about <laughs> explode. That's overnight. right. I'll you be know, able to so make um, money out of it if I. It'll be, if be I the try. worst thing you do. So yeah. I don't know. That's Line right. up a couple of zingers. You don't have to mean them. That's how politics works now. You just say something freaking awful. Yeah. And then you double down on it and then you say yeah. eight more awful things and yeah. And well you, or you say something up. or you say something nice and someone edits out the word not and says that yeah, you yeah. did something horrible. A couple of dog whistles in there. Anyway, that's one of them. But we're gonna get mm. to that. Yeah. Dog whistles, one of the WMDs. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, that's good actually. Words of mass destruction. Words yeah. of mass distraction. There you I are. Think, We've done I it. think someone's We've already done, done that. Yeah, I but anyway, that. like that could be our that could be our sort of uh, Substack sort of like startup where we're repurposing some old shit yeah. in a new way. Yeah. We'll yeah. see how we go. We're going to make this money soon. Yeah, Nicholas, yeah, yeah. All I need is a house. I don't have to have Meninga money. I'd be happy with just. I just need a house. I would, I'd like to be able to have a house one day. If I if I got a house, all right. I'm not doing any more of this work. Finish. I know. Well, that's that's, that's we, we should. To be you you want to talk to me? Then you come around and just sit on my porch. Yeah, okay. We'll okay. sit down and have a hot toddy and look out over the field. All right. Um, I'm not going to own a house. All right. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this snippet to you. Okay. Okay. So this is like, I'm, I'm still, this, this book is like, oh, God, gestation periods is just awful. But anyway, uh, I'll read you a bit. Of yeah. Part. So you're reading me. You're reading me. Your, the passage from your book. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Just because I think it's a good segue from that one thing to the from disinformation on. And we can wrap up the disinfo and then go on to the WMDs. So um yeah, we're not 
We're not immune to disinformation here. Every week another elder gets radicalized by some bizarre US cult. Uh, my friend Tina Ngate in New Zealand says they have the same problem over there with an ec epidemic of Maori mugger sweeping through their communities. We're just as nuts as everyone else right now, which is something you need to know in case you've come into this yarn seeking a bit of imperial nostalgia through feel-good indigenous wisdom. You're not going to find your way through this mess in drum circles and sweat lodges, those weird co-opted bits and pieces of native culture that enable spiritual bypass, chanting and vision questing and tripping balls to avoid the hard feelings that come with being authentically grounded in your shitty context. We have to look past the sexy and inspiring stuff and step up to our fear and uncertainty. My native Alaskan friend Arlo Davis keeps telling me, don't drink the Kool-Aid, bruh. Don't drink your own. Best advice I ever got. Uh, T-shirts and other bits of empowering merchandise tell us that the future is female, the future is indigenous. Maybe it'll be both when all the old white dudes retreat to their underground bunkers or blast themselves out into space. Maybe the meek will indeed inherit the earth for a while in order to clean it up for the master's glorious return for a new golden age of priests and kings. But in the meantime, they still own everything and still have most of the global power needed to make some urgent adjustments. That's why I'm talking so much to people of the pale, male and stale variety here. It would be silly to exclude the people who run the world from the process of changing it just to make ourselves feel better. Their system, everything from time measurement to banking, is the default system for every community on the planet. They own the fucking rails. The idea that I could be giving them a platform, or even that somebody might deny them a platform, is ridiculous. They own everything. They own us. If I'm trying to find my keys, I'll start with the guy who keeps taking my vehicle without asking. I won't ask his sister. So yeah, I'm talking to a lot of old white fellows here. Even though I'm wearing a Futurist female t-shirt and a Futurist indigenous hoodie, the future will probably be quite a bit of both of those things, but the present and the short-term future is neither of them. Short-term, the future is evaluation. Most of us are becoming irrelevant as workers, and we sure as hell won't be getting our food and shelter for free. So we'll be earning our universal basic incomes in digital tokens for evaluating things online. The educator will be peer reviewing papers and critiquing art, while the undereducator will be rating donuts, TV and medications in exchange for crypto coupons and merch with empowering messages, assuring us all that whatever demographic group we identify with will soon be great again. Bloody fantastic. I thought you, I, I knew you liked that last paragraph there. I like it all. I like uh, it all. I, th I think the future is evaluation in terms of worlds of work. I think that's what we're all going to be doing. Yeah, well, I'm not. I, when people ask, I sometimes get described as a futurist and I describe myself as a pastist. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by that, what I mean by that, what I mean by that is that there's it, like, to even calling oneself a futurist, talking about, I mean, we all have an itch. We talk about what bloody football team's going to win on Saturday and all we have to do is wait two days and we'll find out. So mm -hmm. we've got a fascination with how the future will turn out and then we can build our little pathetic little social status mechanism around the person who can sound cleverest, the precise trick, the precise competition that Mal Meninga said, I'm out of here. That's mm -hmm. not the sort of thing I want to do. Whereas 
I'm a pastist in the sense that there are deep things. We've been here before. We've never been exactly here before, but there are things that are going on in our democracy, in our society, which are remarkably like the things that went on in ancient Athens two and a half thousand years ago. Hmm. Um, the fact, you know, the existence of Socrates running around basically trolling people. <laughs> um, these are the, and, and the, the escalation of public rhetoric, these are the features of a democracy. Mm. Um, and, and so there are very powerful things that we can learn by, by sort of taking markers from history and realising that, 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 that our problems are, are deep, are deep within the human predicament and have recurred from time to time and very powerful and very simple things have been said and done to address those issues. Hmm. Well, public rhetoric isn't, I don't know, it's a bit, I see, I, I guess, you know, growing up in the decades I grew up, that you got that cultural cringe, you know, uh, being from this continent. Well, I'm not uh, saying that public might be rhetoric framing it, bad. But yeah, remember, on. like before we started, before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm talking out of out of school here, but breaking uh, the breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And, and and breaking the the bro code of podcasting. Um, but you, you you did mention something about Australian uh, discourse. Hmm. I did. I said that Australians were the least publicly articulate of any English speaking country. Um, it may be that New Zealanders are right up there with us, but if you compare a speech given by a winner of Wimbledon, um, if they're Australian, it will, I mean, some, I can't think of any that have been shameful or terribly mm. embarrassing, but they're very minimalist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeez, and, thanks very much. Team effort was team effort. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, they're very minimalist. At, and, and if you listen to an American particularly an American. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, Brits and various people, they've kind of been taught some basic structures uh, and an American. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're all over it. I mean, they're, they're, here they are on their big stage and they're going to have a re really, and it's, it doesn't even have to be rehearsed. They can speak for three minutes incredibly eloquently, um, clearly, articulately, there it is. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what I said. And uh, now I'm saying it even even um, on this side of the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. And they're, 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 they're completely fearless, it seems to me. Uh, so like just, just the average arsehole on the street in the States, they just, um, they just let it rip. Yeah. They'll just yeah. speak quite fluently and there's a camera there. Oh, I'm going on TV. Great. Here. Boom. And they say, uh, it. I'll, uh, what I might do is if I can find it quickly, there was really an incredible example of this by a guy. Here it is. I'll be able to get it. Why don't I play this to you? It might uh, pull, pull that up, Jamie. You just hang on. I will. I will just hang on. Watch this. Uh, uh, here we are. Okay, we're we're rolling. It's about it's about CRT, critical race theory. It's in Virginia, I think. Oh Jesus! 
North Country, uh, uh, North Carolina. What's that? I said, don't hurt me. Well, I'm thinking I might hurt you. I think I might hurt you. I'm gonna, but I'll play it. No, it's all right. Of course, the guy. Yeah. Okay. Listen, listen. this is eloquence. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your service. Obviously, you guys give of yourselves to, to do what you're doing. The community, I think we recognize that now that the political juice has been sucked out of the mass distraction, that we have to move forward. And one of the things I wanted to thank you for tonight was the resolution, the non-discrimination resolution, the CRT deal. Because it's, it's happening. And as a parent, I speak to other parents, there's a few things that we don't want. I'm biracial, I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board because CRT, all of that, the parents don't want it. It's a big, fat lie. There's not one belief. If if you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed and you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil regardless of the experience. All right. All right. Stop. Stop. Okay. It's just... You know, I know that that's 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 awesome. That's a black guy saying that. And it's like, well, see, that's what my black friend thinks. You know what I mean? But uh, this is the problem with people who have no shame. <laughs> you know, that you can just step up and I mean, you're a great speaker. And you can just get you step up and do really good rhetoric on anything without even knowing what it is. Because that none of that describes what critical race theory actually is. Um, yeah, most that's of the true. people who are talking yeah. about it, they, they don't know what it is. Yeah, no, no, that's and there true. Is a, so, there is a focus on this idea that it's like it's the same with the, um, you know, that 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 idea that keeps coming up in like uh, you know objections to wokeness. Um, it's like, you know, the objection is, oh, it just like, it, it takes certain groups of people and it says that they are evil and flawed and they are irredeemable and that they can't change, you know, and it's just like, ah, so, and and that's supposed to be about, you know, cancel culture, the the whole discourse. It's obviously talking about, you know, so either women so it's either talking about gender or race or both you know and it's just that's such a a small part of the field of discourse you know although exactly the same tactics that are being used by the right and the left um it's obviously not talking about that it's obviously just talking about the more left side of of race and gender and and nothing else and continuing to snowball this stupid lie about critical race theory and that it's about you know the individual and that you're marked as an individual and that you're flawed as an individual and that individually in our neighborhoods you know 
we ha have this attitude towards each other. That's not what critical race theory is about. It's about the structural racism that I talked about before, the stuff that's invisible because it's too bloody big, the stuff that your COVID modeling for pandemic spread can't work unless you factor it in. So I'm sorry, my brother there, but um, the facts yeah, but don't on, care about on. your, the facts don't care about your feelings. The fact is structural racism is there and critical race theory was a, a, a tool that was developed uh, to try and be able to articulate it and work with that specifically within the legal system. You know, so it was a legal theory that was that was looking at being able to track and measure these things in ways that would be better for everybody within the legal system, because you don't have an accurate picture of the world and of criminology and of everything else. And so therefore, you can't make useful policy unless you factor that into your algorithm, because it's part of the structure of the system. Everybody immediately got butthurt and starts taking it personally like you know and then you know uh, yes great you can find a few, a few no, hang on, SJWs hang on. Well, me, on the yeah. left who are gonna like be pushing this idea of you know oh you're I, i'm white so i'm evil uh and i recognize that i'm evil and i'm sorry kind of thing you know to my core and that will never change i'm always going to be evil because that's the color of my i mean yeah you're going to get some idiots um you know and unfortunately there's a lot of articulate idiots all this stupid stuff spreading around and so you know here's where i hesitate with this idea that you're just going to randomly select people for your jury, magna carta jury system to make democracy work and that those 12 good men are somehow going to bloody come up with something useful it's like nah nah i, I will actually want to find people who you know you are elevating them to some position of authority and influence based on the fact that they actually know something and they have a good track record of knowing things and of applying good theories and good analytical tools to find the best way forward. Um, I don't know. That, that, that would be my preference, just culturally. Good. Well, you tell me how to do it. <laughs> well, how are you going to do your jury system? Uh, well, what I would do uh, is... Uh, I mean, firstly, because I just piggyback off that. So, however, you were going to get that rolling. Yeah, I would like to do yeah. the first first half of that, well, and then piggyback. Well, good. Okay. Well, I'm happy to do that. Have, um, some actual smart people on those juries who, are, you know. Uh, well, uh, hang on. I don't. We don't agree about decent, smart people, decent, and, I, and, decent and track, we would a decent track record of actually making some decent decisions that work in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd yeah. Go with well. That. Yeah. So. Um, the first thing I have to say about juries is that juries are a way of delivering democracy, which is very different to the way we deliver it now. Mm. We, we also know on the question of racism that juries in the South, mm. especially if they're made of white men, but also white women, I suspect, at a certain time, I don't think it would be nearly so straightforward now, but it certainly was the case that juries uh, were a part of the oppression, the vicious oppression of black people yeah. in the South, the massive sexual violence, the sexualized violence. There's a fantastic book, which I fully recommend to you and anyone else mm. uh, about the civil rights struggle 
which actually the shows the street. Uh, which actually shows how sexualized black oppression was, how sexualized black liberation was, because of course, uh, and how class based it was. So this points out how much more active women mm. were, black women were in the mm. class struggles of the civil rights movement, how the credit always went to the men. But not only that, but uh, Rosa Parks was a PR stunt. Mm. And that isn't to speak badly of Rosa Parks, but they had planned that for some years. And there yeah. were a number of people who... Well, somebody already did it, but they, they just didn't didn't like the, the, well, they the PR were, fit. <laughs> what's that? What's that? There was somebody who did it before her. Oh, well, not only that, that but thing, there were and, other... And that was that, what people, the grassroots, were mobilising around, but it's like, no, 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 no. She won't, she's not going to look good on the poster. That's right. Let's, she's uh, not going to... Yeah. That's right. And she's not going to look good in the stand as well yeah. because she's going to be cross-examined about her sexual history and all sorts yeah, exactly. of absolute shit. Yeah. So, so that's where juries get you. Yeah. Well, okay. So... Well, I, I, I'm not going to get a jury of my peers, you know. No, when, no. When, when so that's to, right. So... Yeah. Unless so, so unless we, we have circle sentencing, uh, which which you you might know about, and that's where in, like in our communities where they'll actually instead of a a jury, they have a, a permanent uh, group of elders who who decide yeah. what the sentencing is going to be, and that's um that's working really really well. It's um you know, you're finding the reoffending rates are, are right down, and um you know the impact on the community is far less. So uh, yeah, that that would be along the model I was saying. Yeah. Okay. So. I, but this was by way of me. Um, this was by way of me saying what what is what do I think is good about juries, mm -hmm. and me conceding that juries are a technology, and a technology can can have good and bad features. Mm. My case for juries has been that we are watching in front of our very eyes the toxification of a political of a whole political culture mm. which is driven by the optimization of professionals to manipulate people in mm. various ways to ultimately get hold of their mm. attention and their votes you did propose something in the in the substack that would take care of the problem of jury selection and that would make it more of a sort of liquid democracy kind of way of doing things it was just something you mentioned briefly yeah well this was, was in uh, the yeah yeah that's right so so the thing about uh, juries, the thing about random selection is that it makes a fetish of, and it's good that it does, but it's not all good that it does. It makes mm. a fetish of the radical egalitarianism of democracy and subject to certain uh, qualifications, I think that is incredibly important. But... What people love, but people, that's the, that's the sentimental side of democracy. That's what everyone thinks democracy is. And the real thing about democracy is that, is, is um, Winston Churchill's point, that it's really a pretty terrible system. It's just better than all the other ones. And, and it is a method for making less bad decisions than any other, than any other method. Hmm. So how, but then you can ask yourself your question, which is how do you, how do you get people to, how do you 
um, double down on the good decisions and try and minimise the number of bad decisions? Or how you, you use the expression smart people, which I would be happy to, uh, you know, basically anathematize to I don't go for that term. <laughs> Uh, because it because I think Mal Meninga is as good a leader as we can think of, and he's not smart. That's not what makes him worth. Uh, that's not what makes him a leader. So, but what I have used, and I've got a cool term for this, which is that you can think of juries, and then you can think of that mechanism of selection, which is what I call a decompetitive merit selection process. Mm. What is a decompetitive merit selection process? It's a process that selects for merit without a competition. How mm. could that even be possible? Well, we can't even imagine it because everywhere we go, schools, uh, races at schools, school elections, everything is about me, 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 me. And at the South Australian Citizen Jury on, on Nuclear energy or rather nuclear waste hmm. they had 340 people and they wanted to select spokespeople because they need people from this group who are going to represent what the group thinks and they didn't well these people are they are very aware the people organizing it very aware of the problems with elections which we have spoken around and they by the way bring on that sort of rhetoric that you reacted so strongly against because people put their own case and don't worry about the other case. They're trying to win the argument. So what would be a decompetitive merit selection process? What they did is they said, who wants to be a spokesperson? About 15 people put their hand up. They said, now point to the third person on your right. You can mm. sit down now. That person, I may have spoken to you about this before. I'll, I'll you know, get it out of the way quickly. Uh, they, those, the 15 people who are now effectively chosen at random, then go out of the, uh, they uh, retire from the citizen jury for a couple of hours. They spend the first hour working out the criteria according to which we should choose spokespeople and the second mm. hour working out who mm. they've met in the group who meet those criteria. So mm. nobody's competed for anything. No one's asked for anyone's vote. Nobody yeah. has. They've set that criteria anyone. needs to be people who are, because um, everyone's smart, but yeah, no, we need so, in this so, situation for this context, we need people who are smart at this, 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 and this, and have these personal qualities. Correct. And correct. then boom. Okay. Let's, so, uh, let's so, find those people. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, but, but I'm only mentioning that as an instance or as a prototype, as you like, if you like, just a different way to do things. And if mm. we built more of our elites using a mechanism like that, they'd be very different elites because who's mm. going to come out of that process? People you've noticed who aren't just saying me, me, me. People who you've noticed went to the trouble of including someone, went to the, said, oh, uh, you want this written up tonight? Look, I'll do it in my own time. Mm. Um, those are the people who are going to get appreciated and people are going to say, yeah, we want more of that. Mm. Uh, so that's a, that's a way to think about some of these some of these things, hmm. and yeah. they're yeah, yeah I like and, that. I like that and it's easy, it's easy, it's simple, uh, and it could have a big impact. But I can't. It's not going to take us anywhere that I can. Again, back to my point about being a pastist, not not a futurist. Hmm. I can't tell you exactly where it'll take us, but I like the idea that it will. It's a richer, more generous way for human beings to collaborate together mm. but it's it's how to get that in place 
I mean, well, you know, I talked about well, you talk about Elder before Gaddafi had like a, a really similar <laughs> vision with his Green Book, um, you know, of, of, of democracy um, that was truly representative and um, and all that sort of thing. But um, he kind of didn't do that. He kind of no fancy kind of that went for the sex dungeon instead, and yeah, and just kind of <laughs> stay there. So that's the trick. Well, the trick, um, that's right. Well, basically, these, these yeah. things can't scale is the problem, I, I think, Nicholas. You can't have the, the great, the idea of nations where you've got millions of people all under one central authority. It's a ridiculous idea. It was a, it was a great, it was great. They did the experiment. We've had like a century of it. I think we need to break them up. We need to break them up. Smaller entities we need because you can't, uh, you know, all the things you're talking about, and the kind of representation you're talking about is not something that scales. You're not going to find a representative group of millions of people who are going to find the right way through and the right single path, one size fits all for everybody that's going to do the right thing. You, you can only do that at the regional and local level, I believe. Mm, you well, think about that. What, but that's what, what, that's what anarchy really is, though. That's the problem. I've got no good anarchists, well, as you also said at the start. Yeah, well, you you have more faith in your own ability to work out what to do than I have. All I'm trying to do is to look at a system we have and inject mm. things into it that make sense, have an immediately have an immediate legitimacy. That is, they appeal to people; mm. they can see the logic, mm. and then to once one infuses that. You, into the system, then it will go, it will do stuff that will give us more information about what's possible and what's not. Um, yeah. You're completely right that there's terrible things about nations. And if you break them all up, um, maybe we'll just, they'll all just go back to having wars against each other. We don't know. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know. If you're, if you're, um, if you do know, then you the next task is to persuade the world that you do know, and yeah. then well, I, I they'll put you in charge, and we're, all our and, problems and I, will be I solved. I seriously don't have, uh, I don't have any faith. Um, that, but I, I mean, I, one thing I do know is that you know, if everybody or even a significant amount of people started following uh, what my ideas were, then like probably everybody would probably be dead on the planet within a couple of years. You know, I, I, I don't know because you can't have like uh, you know, it's it's these this idea that solutions are singular and that you know, I don't know, that these no, no, ideas I agree with come up unilaterally from one place or one people yeah. or one person, even worse. It's just yeah. like, no, well, no, 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 that doesn't work. Uh, well, yeah, but but uh, I thought you were saying that I, I thought you were saying that ideas do kind of ideas begin sing, singularly in the yeah, yeah. minds of I'd say two oh, at least two I, people. I'm just shooting the shit, shooting the shit with you, Nicholas. We're both we're sitting here on the deck of the Titanic, smoking a pipe, waiting for it to sink. Going, I wonder what would have been the ideal number of lifeboats. Yeah, you know, for everybody. Let, let's run the, the lifeboat well, thought experiment. You know I, that, I, you know my, that thought experiment. Eh? My drug of choice is green tea, which is probably not particularly welcome on the Titanic in any way. I'm not going to be able to keep keep yeah, it properly it. level, am I? Well, that, it, you know, anything green, someone's going to assume you're Irish and bloody tell you to go downstairs where you belong. Well, they've done statistical tests on that, and um, the women and children did pretty well. 
um, certainly better than statistics, you know, better than yeah. average. So that's a great, that's a great tribute to. That's, that's what I always say. When they, I don't know if you ever came across that thought experiment, the lifeboat experiment. Not sure. They've, they've got, oh, well, they've got a certain number of people in the water and there's one lifeboat that can only hold a certain uh, amount. And the thought yeah. experiment is who do you choose to put on the lifeboat? And everyone yeah. argues about, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the greatest utility to that. It's a real like, guy. We already have, like, every, like, you know, every culture on the planet already got an algorithm for that. We already know what the formula is for that. It's women and children first. That's what we do. It's, it's pretty much universal. Show me a culture don't do that. Well, what the interesting thing is that you can show cultures that might have said that, but the statistics from shipwrecks show that they didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, um, the people on the Titanic didn't do it at all perfectly, and some nasty things happened. But but it is a great tribute, I think, that the least strong people did pretty well that night. Um, yeah. We should remember that. We should. Every night. See how generous I am, dreams. Tyson. What's that? What's I that? just started singing the Titanic theme. I'm going to stop that now. Um, yeah, can't get enough of that movie. Do you like it? Oh, I think everybody likes it. Anyone who says they don't like it is full of shit. No, I like. I love the story of the Titanic. I just found it so ponderous. As a, have you watched the A Night to Remember? Um, it's a wonderful know. film. Well, it's made in the 50s. I think you can probably look at it on yeah. YouTube without paying anything. And it's like yeah. a it's, it might have been written for the stage because it's these people sitting on the Titanic and it's about an hour and a half of conversation as the whole place just falls apart. And um, it's it's brilliantly written. It's it's a really terrific. Has it got Ingrid Bergman in it? Because you're always talking about her. Oh, Ingrid Bergman. Look, That's sorry. A thing for her. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she of that, speaking of uh, the thermonuclear terms, she of the film Gaslight. Uh, but no, it doesn't have Ingrid Bergman. I think oh. it's got. Oh, look. There's look. our segue. No, the, there's, there's your segue. segue. Gaslighting. Right, Gaslighting. Go, give, give oh, us some WND get topics because I'm, I'm only going to have a few minutes before I've got to get out there and sort this mess out. So That sounds like it. Yeah. Let's, go. let's start with gaslighting. Or we can do it Fire next Ingrid. time. We're, or yeah. we can do it next time. Why don't we give people a taste? Yeah, we could. Right, well, let's just throw those terms out there. There's, there's, there's gaslighting. There's uh, triggered. There's microaggression. Microaggression. Cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation. Misogynist. Safe space. Dog whistling. Mansplain. Woke. Acknowledging and 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 on it goes. So excellent. We don't even have to go into the rest of the. Uh, so stay the tuned. Say so so have to that go is, through your chart because that is if you're still talking. You just convey the entire like uh, spreadsheet with your tone at, at each of those. Each yeah, of that's those right. Words. We can you so. can subject it when we next talk. You can have you're at a university. You can subject it all to tonal analysis. I can and yeah, give I a full like. and a, and a full uh, a full um, yeah a full psychoanalysis of Nicholas. What's I always I always triangulate. I yeah, have, you I do. have academic rigor over here. I would definitely try. I wouldn't just go on your tone. Okay, fair of enough. Of your voice, I'd also, I'd also have to factor in your skin tone. Oh, of course. And that—that's another data set. And yet, no, yeah. I'm, only, I'm only joking now. That's just okay. That's that's me being that's facetious. Good. That's good. Facetious, Nicholas. That's good. Hey. All right. Now, well, we've um, we've poked the bear and survived. Yeah, but um, and and we failed again. <laughs> the idea is to try fail, and get your subscriptions fail up. again. Nicholas, for your sub 
Substack. Yeah, that's right. We ended up. We stayed friends. Yeah. We stayed friends with low uh, with low subscriptions. That's the right. choice. Well, let's gammon have a fight next time. <laughs> <laughs> you call me something terrible. I wouldn't dream of it. I think you're terrific. We'll sit somewhere in, in padded. If you end up chairs and 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 smoke cigars and and drink and drink cognac or something and just laugh <laughs> like that. That's that's how I picture it. Although you're yeah. drinking green tea, Nicholas, and I don't think it's you know, so nice. It's I don't so think nice. you have a smoking jacket, do you? God damn. It. Uh, well, is this a smoking jacket? Is, all the no, I don't people. have a smoking I keep thinking jacket. I'm talking to influential people here. I have a no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not influential. Trying I'm to get to the head of the snake. I'm faux. I'm faux intellectual. I mean, sorry, I'm faux uh, influential. I'm trying to get to the head of the snake, and I'm spending too much time with you. You're like at the ass of the right. snake. You're in the it wrong just spot. Goes round and round and round. Yeah. It goes round oh, and round. It does too. Well, let's talk yeah. about uh, the oral Boris next time. Okay, hmm. that sounds good. All right. See you. See you, Tyson. Say hello to your kids for me. Love you, Eric Nicholas. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.